Good morning, Galilee Church. I wish I wasn't coming to you this way, uh, but as most of you know by now, I was unfortunately diagnosed with COVID. Uh, feeling pretty good all in all, uh, and I'm glad for this technology that we can use this morning to start this new series. It's all about our emotions. It's all about our feelings and how the Bible really teaches us and explains to us that our feelings and our emotions are about more than just a feeling. God has a plan and a purpose for these feelings and through these feelings to work them out ultimately to his good and to grow us. My prayer is that I get to be back with you in person next week. We'll see as the week progresses and hopefully I can go through all the protocols and uh, things will be back up to snuff uh, towards the end of the week and my timeline will be up by Sunday. So we'll just see how that goes. Uh, but again, I, I'm just thankful for this technology today. And I know watching me on a screen this morning is not the ideal way to receive a sermon, uh, but I'm thankful for it nonetheless. You may hear my voice crack a little bit and those kinds of things. Again, my, uh, my symptoms are mild, and so I'm thankful for that. But hey, let's jump into this new series, More Than a Feeling. And today we're talking about that feeling of anger. And as I was writing this sermon a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I couldn't help but think that God definitely has a sense of humor because I was working on the message and I took a little break and went home for lunch. And as I got into my house, I came into my dogs having had an accident, uh, multiple accidents, uh, all over the floor in our house. When this happens, you find yourself not really wanting to call these accidents, don't you? You, you find yourself uh, in a lot of anger and frustration in times like that, and I definitely did. And uh, I, I didn't want to call it an accident at that point. I, my, was, my frustration was definitely up with those dogs. But uh, there I was, uh, having just written most of a sermon about controlling anger and managing anger. And uh, I, had to, uh, I, had to, I had a little practice that afternoon that the Lord gave me. It's interesting how that goes sometimes, isn't it? But as you well know, anger is a part of life. It's a part of all of our lives. And as much as we could try to pretend like it isn't and that we never get angry or that anger is not a problem for us, the truth is that, you know, if you're human and you're drawing breath, anger is a problem for you at some point. So what do we do with it? How do we handle it? How can we control uh, those emotions? Ephesians chapter 4, 26 through 27 talks about this. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. The Bible makes it clear when it comes to anger that vicious anger is condemned. A, a negative response in our emotions when it comes to anger is condemned for the believer. An anger that leaves us stuck in negative feelings toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, a vicious anger, it's wrong. Jesus specifically condemns this kind of anger in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. He says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. I mean, that's, that's pretty strong language there, isn't it? And, and he repeats this idea because he says, Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which basically means that you're empty-headed or in modern terminology, it would mean like you were calling somebody a, a dummy, right? Somebody who says this to their brother, he says, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. Uh, 
But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus is basically just making it clear that in our relationships, we can't let anger get the best of us. That there is a responsibility as it relates to us in the church. That's what he's talking about with the Sanhedrin. But then there's a responsibility as it relates to us between us and God when we are angry against our brother and sister in Christ. We know that biblically we're supposed to solve that between brothers and sisters. Like we're supposed to go to the person that we have anger with or that we feel like has wronged us, and we're supposed to talk to them about it. That's how we're supposed to handle anger biblically. But then also we have to deal with the spiritual side of that, of taking that anger to God. So even if we don't end up saying to that person, Rakah, or even if we don't end up saying to that person, you're a fool, if we think it and we feel it in our hearts, then we need to deal with that between us and God. There's, a, there's kind of a dual piece to this, the interpersonal relationship and the relationship between us and the Lord. We are capable of controlling our anger. And that's a critical piece that I want to make sure we stress in today's message. Because when it comes to understanding feelings, we have to understand that though we may not in and of ourselves be capable of controlling all of our feelings, when we are Christians and we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we are capable of more than we were capable of before we knew Jesus and before we had the Holy Spirit. It's critical that we understand this. You and I, though, have a lot more control of ourselves than we like to pretend we do sometimes. We dismiss a reaction that we have because of anger, and we say, oh, well, I couldn't help it, I was just angry. But listen, have you ever had an argument with your wife or another person, and after a certain amount of time, you can't even remember what you were arguing about? Let's just be honest. Sometimes a lot of our anger is much to do about nothing. And if we just take a deep breath and work on controlling ourselves a little bit, sometimes we'd get pretty far on our own, much less what the Lord, what the Holy Spirit can do through us. My wife and I have had plenty of arguments, just like all of you out there. We're human beings, and we all do. And there's times where sometimes I feel like we're just arguing for the sake of arguing, like, you know, who's going to win at this point? But it's that point, I think, that, that the arguing becomes sinful. Because, you know, we're being angry without even having a true cause. Anger in and of itself is not a sin. Misused uh, anger or misplaced anger or out-of-control anger, now, that's sinful. Sinful anger ultimately is misdirected. Anger is always supposed to be directed towards a problem, never toward a person. Yes, towards a problem, never towards a person. Even if that person is your problem, you are trying to manage and deal with the problem that you are having with that person. That's just how that's supposed to work. We may be angry at the sin that someone has, has committed, but we love the person. That's how we have to approach it. There's a difference between being angry with a person over what they've done and being angry towards a person regardless of what they've done. Anger is to be directed toward the sin, not the sinner. If you're angry at someone that you either silently or openly have made up in your mind not to forgive that person, or at least not to forgive that person until you've hurt them, made them suffer, even the score, 
Well, then that anger is very much sinful. Charles Spurgeon said, I have no more right as a Christian to allow a bad temper to dwell in me than I have to allow the devil himself to dwell there. There's some wisdom in that. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Y'all, my wife and I, when we first got married, we made a vow to one another that we would never go to bed angry. And one time we didn't go to sleep for like four months, <laughs> but we try to never go to bed angry. In all seriousness, we have made that commitment in our life. And, and I can't say that we haven't gone to bed frustrated with each other sometimes, but we're not ever harboring a deep anger towards one another. And I think that's critical in our marriages. What happens lots of times is we allow that anger to fester in our marriages and, and certainly other relationships. But it leads to the downfall of those relationships if we spend a long time not actually dealing with that, not being open and honest about it. It can get the best of us. That is misdirected anger. It is an incontrovertible truth that when a person's temper gets the best of him or her, y'all, it, it reveals the worst in us. So let's not fall victim to that. The second main idea I want to lay out before you today is that we should be harnessing our anger for good. Yeah, you, you can actually harness your anger for good. Look close, closely at that text again in verse 26. It says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. Now, that tells us immediately that there's a difference between anger and sin. It's possible to be angry and yet not sin, because as I said, all sin, uh, all anger is not sin. But it's very difficult. Let's just be honest. It's difficult for us as human beings to keep our anger from becoming sinful. It just is. Uh, Aristotle said that anybody can become angry. That's easy. But to become, but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, well, that is not within everybody's power. And that is not easy. Uh, there's some wisdom in that. It's not always a sin to be angry. If it was always a sin to be angry, then Jesus was a sinner, and of course we know that he was not. Jesus became angry. We know this. We know there's several uh, recordings of this in Scripture. But Jesus was without sin, but he wasn't without anger. And so we, we have to understand that. Jesus, and, and I'll kind of lay this out for you, a couple of different occasions that we find where Jesus became angry. Jesus was angry with people that had hard hearts. He was. He was angry with people that had hard hearts. In Mark chapter 3, 1 through 5, it says, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand, and they watched him closely. So they were watching Jesus closely. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. They couldn't wait to get at Jesus over this because they would have trapped him if he was going to perform this act of healing on the Sabbath and break the Sabbath laws of working on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. So when he had looked around them with anger, 
being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Biblically, in, in on the Sabbath, certainly you are not allowed to work. You were not allowed to do many things. But there were even allowances made for if uh, your cattle became stuck and you had to free them on the Sabbath. You were allowed to do this kind of good act, this kind of merciful act. But here's Jesus wanting to heal this man. And these religious leaders were so opposed to Jesus and they were so um, hard-line about this idea that they couldn't even make allowance for this in their hearts. That broke Jesus' heart, and yes, it made him righteously anger, angry. And that's the difference here, y'all. Nothing wrong with righteous anger, but the problem is for us as you know, human beings, modern-day Christians, it becomes difficult sometimes for us to keep our anger in that realm. Jesus did not want to see this attitude be prevalent in his people that the Pharisees had, that the teachers of the law sometimes had. Unfortunately, those Pharisees were at the place where they didn't care one bit about that man with the withered hand. They only were concerned with trapping Jesus, condemning Jesus. So Jesus got angry with people that had hard hearts. So let's not be those kinds of people. The other place where we see Jesus getting angry is when Jesus was angry with people that had hypocritical hearts. In Mark eleven fifteen through 18, it says, So they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all his people were astonished at his teaching. Now, of course, this is a famous story that most of you know. Jesus had walked into the house of God, which was supposed to be a house of prayer and a place of worship, and he'd seen how religious charlatans had turned the church into a profit-making racket, and it broke his heart, and it made him angry. They were more interested in gold than God, more interested in silver than souls, more interested in money than man, and Jesus wasn't going to put up with it. Friends, there was nothing wrong with them offering a service for those who were coming to the temple to offer sacrifices, those who needed to be able to purchase these animals during this sacrificial system time period, that this was how you would come. I mean, people would travel for miles around, you know, for many, many miles around to get to Jerusalem, to go through these purifying rituals. There was nothing wrong with him offering these things. The problem was they were price gouging and they had brought these things into this space and then taking advantage of people. So it was wrong on multiple levels, and Jesus was not going to put up with it. The Bible says in Psalm 97.10, You who love the Lord hate evil. Remember, not all anger is sin. But we see from the life of Jesus, again, sometimes even he got angry, but he handled it the right way. So I would just encourage you, I would pray for you for your discernment this morning. Deal with your anger. 
Manage your feelings. Ask the Lord for help in this. If you're, you and I have to be somebody that can use our discernment when it comes to properly focusing and channeling our anger. We should not be people that relentlessly hold on to anger towards other people, towards our, our children or our grandchildren, our friends, our family, our coworkers. That's just wrong. And it's not getting us anywhere. Some of us need to look into our feelings this morning, and we need to pray to God that he will give us a new heart, a softened heart for those who have maybe broken our hearts and wounded us and angered us. We need to pray for that. Because if we don't look, if we don't deal with our anger in the right ways, it becomes like a river that breaks it it breaks its bounds and can lay waste to everything in its path. We've all seen what happens when our anger gets out of control. I've seen pictures of what used to be a town in my hometown area of Southern Virginia. The town was swallowed up when they built a dam. That whole area is now completely covered. The whole town that used to be there, many of you all are familiar with other towns, even here in Georgia, where this has been done. But think of your anger when it flows out of control, covering up everything in its path and laying waste to your life, laying waste to your relationships, and just generally messing things up for you and those you are called to care about, whether that's family or friends or coworkers, whoever it is, we've got to flee from anger. And, and don't allow yourself to get to this place where you're just like, well, I, I just can't help it. I can't, I can't control myself. I can't help that anger is a problem for me. That, I'll say it again. That's simply not true. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Now, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is there in your heart. It's empowering you. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.23 says, one of them is self-control. If you have the Spirit of God alive and well inside of you, then my friends, you are capable of more than you know when it comes to controlling your anger, managing your feelings, and living your life in a way that is about more than just how you feel. You see, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you can rise above your feelings. And every one of us knows that we can control our temper in, in ways that we're not always really honest with ourselves about. Have you ever been in a, in a bitter argument in your home, either with your wife or someone else, maybe even one of your kids? I'm talking about one of those family discussions that could be heard blocks away. You're yelling at the top of your lungs and you're going at it just like crazy. You're so frustrated and the person you're arguing with is feeling the same way. And about that time, the phone rings and instantaneously you can pick up the phone and say, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I mean, just like that. You've just proved that your anger can be controlled more than you think it can. That's about a choice. That's about making a decision that you're going to be a person 
that controls your anger. You're going to tame your tongue in that way. If you're given to a quick temper, let me give you a piece of good advice that I heard recently. Somebody said, when you're angry, count to 10 before you speak. If you're really angry, count to 100 and then don't say anything. <laughs> Y'all, if you're anything like me, you've written emails. I've written really long emails uh, and I was just really angry. I was really frustrated about something. And then I just take a minute and I just delete it. Right. But I felt better just because I got that out. And maybe there's some healthy way that you need to deal with your anger to cope with it, but not unleash that on other people. Y'all, That is self-control. My wife is a counselor that works with kids every day at school, and she gives them all kinds of coping mechanisms to deal with their anger. And let me just tell you, some of those children have been through some very traumatic experiences, some situations where they're understandably angry about the circumstances of their life or the things that they're challenged by. And they've gotten to that place where, you know, their anger is overflowing into the way they interact on a day-to-day basis. But she gives them these coping mechanisms that help them. Sometimes as simple as grabbing a pillow like this and screaming into it. I mean, if that's what it takes... If that's what it takes to control our anger and not allow it to cause us to sin, that's what we should do. Grab hold of the energy that sometimes comes from being angry because that can sometimes be turned to the positive. Some of the most passionate feelings you will feel sometimes are when you see something wrong in the world and it makes you angry. Now, you still have to handle that well. You still have to respond in the right way with that anger. But you can allow that kind of anger to produce good work in you, to have you fight for a better outcome in a situation that may be, again, very negative or very uh, uh, disconcerting. It, It may lead you to accomplish great work for the Lord if you don't allow it to push you into a sinful attitude of anger. All right, so here's the the bottom line this morning. If you really want to deal with anger properly, own your anger. Don't let your anger own you. Yeah, own your anger. Don't let your anger own you. I haven't always done that in my life, just like all of you. And in more ways than one, whether it was, you know, my hyper-competitiveness on the basketball court when I was in college and even high school and seeing myself looking back on that all these years later and some of the foolish things I did and um, not always responding in a, in a Christ-like way or the ways that I've gotten frustrated with other people in my life and I haven't always handled that well. I've had to repent of all that. And this morning, there are some areas that I know you and I need to repent of. We need to repent of our anger towards other people that have wronged us. We need to repent of our anger towards situations that we've now allowed that burning anger in us to produce sinful attitudes. We're not managing our anger. Our anger is managing us. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome these feelings and you can turn that anger into to a righteous anger that ultimately produces good work in you and glorifies Christ. My prayer for all of you this morning is that God will use this message, that he will speak to us, 
and that he'll allow us to reconcile some of those relationships, that he'll allow us to not harbor anger anymore, and that we'll be the kind of people that forgive as Jesus forgave us. Just think how much you have been forgiven of. Think about how many ways you've wronged somebody else, just human beings, and they've forgiven you. But how much you've wronged Jesus, and he's forgiven you. That ought to produce a humble spirit in you this morning. That ought to take you to a place of wanting to forgive, to let go, to be more like Christ. My prayer is that we will do exactly this. May God bless you. Will you pray with me? Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. I wish I could have been with our people in person, but Lord, I am thankful for this technology, God, where we can still dig into the Word of God together, where we can be reminded about the power of your Word and the power of you, Holy Spirit, to work in our lives and help us to have a more Christ-like attitude, to help us manage our anger and not be overcome by it. God, we pray that you will bless our church that you'll lead us and guide us and direct us. Father, we thank you for all the ways you take care of us. Be with us now, God. God, help us to forgive others that have wronged us. Help us to no longer harbor anger. Help us to be a people that forgive as we have been forgiven. We ask all these things in your most precious and holy name. Amen. God bless you, church. I pray God's blessing over you.